0: Welcome to Business in Heels
1: podcast, the podcast that inspires and educates women in business globally to succeed. Now over to your host, Anne-Marie Cross.
0: welcome to another episode of Business and Heals podcast. Now my guest today says we live in a world of duality and infinite possibilities. You get to decide what you receive. Joining me on today's show is Karen Cheston. Karen, she is the co-author of the Cheston Centre. She is an international best-selling author. She's an international speaker, a life coach who specializes in loss. She's also a former CFO and CPA. Now Karen's First hand experience assistant at the Chaston Centre in creating programs which demonstrate the correlations between loss people and all areas of our lives. Now, when individuals embrace these concepts, they'll easily be able to move beyond any kind of loss and create a better everyday life. Now, when companies embrace these concepts, they get to unlock the people and profits connection, providing tangible solutions that will help them to make the best possible product offer the best possible customer experience, and build the strongest possible company. Now, specifically on today's show, Karen is going to share how to assist your employees to rock up each and every day present and productive. She's going to talk about the benefits from valuing employees, customers, as well as shareholders, as equal stakeholders, as well as three must-have insights to ensure that your people, your purpose, and your profits are thriving. Welcome to the show, Karen. Thank you, Anne-Marie.
1: So good to see you again. Yeah,
0: Absolutely. Cannot wait to dive into each of these three key things because I know from speaking to many organisations, these are the things that they're discussing around the boardroom table. But before we dive in, I think it's always nice to give uh, people an opportunity to give just a bit of a background into what led them today. As we mentioned through your organisation, you're passionate about this. What drives that passion, Karen?
1: Yes, I am a I fellow teary. I don't know why, but anyway, we'll keep going. Mainly because when I was a CFO of a public key listed company, I did not value my people. I did not value the organization, like the people in the organization, as much as what I should have. You know, as an, as the CFO, obviously I was a CPA, I understood profits, but I didn't understand people. And it was through my journey after leaving my corporate life, which, you know, you explained in the beginning, I really started to dive into loss and there are over 40 different kinds of loss events that can affect all of our lives. And when you know that, you begin to understand people more from a level of what's happened to you to make you who you are today because we are the sum of all of our past experiences as opposed to saying, what's wrong with you? You know, why don't you get this? Why don't you do this? Why don't you act like that? Why can't you be this person? And that's what has really driven me. And the more I've helped people individually, the more I was driven to, you know what, companies need to understand this. We live in a completely different world to what we did in three years ago, four years ago. And it's important for us to look for different ways to assist our people to thrive in all areas of their life.
0: Yes, I love how you've um, shared that because so many businesses are navigating not only this new work, uh, the world of work, but also their people. And as you mentioned, people are so important. It's one of your greatest assets because without people in your business, and we're talking all about not just your team, but also your customers, stakeholders, shareholders, everyone, um, unless they're being supported in the best way possible, they're not going to be able to show up in the best way possible and uh, productivity and, and performance certainly will be impacted too. So let's talk about how to assist, how do we support our employees in being able to rock up each and every day present and productive? Well, the first of all, and you've sort of touched on it, thank
1: you, Anne-Marie, is to value them as your greatest asset. And it is a mind shift because especially when you look at a P&L, you can see employee costs as an expense, you know, so it's draining from the um, from your profit. Whereas if you just had that mindset shift and you start to look at them as an asset and if we had them on the balance sheet as an asset, we would then tend to look at that way. And how do we look after our assets? Let's look at a piece of machinery. Not that I'm classing people as a piece of machinery, but it's a good analogy to have a look at it. You know, if we have a piece of machinery that is producing most of our revenue, what do we do? We maintain it. We give it downtime. We make sure it's always in tip-top condition. We find out what's wrong with it if there's this one little part that's not working. Whereas with our people, we expect them to rock up every morning, and just bring their professional self into the workplace. Just leave all the rest of you at the door and just pick it up when you leave at the end of the day. Now, in the and Model Centre, our wellness wheel, our all areas of life have nine areas of life which come under four pillars. So when you're asking them just to bring their professional self, you're actually asking them to leave 89% of themselves at the door. So are you wondering why they're rocking up, disconnected, not really living and loving themselves and not really committed to where the company is at the moment and where they're going and their strategies and their goals, all of those sort of things. So that's where the first step is to really value them as your greatest asset.
0: Mm. I was listening to a podcast the other day, Karen, and one particular leader was talking about the importance of having meetings with your team members. And why I share that is because, yes, valuing is so important, a mindset shift. But I'd imagine that a leader who's listening or watching this might say, yeah, but Karen, then, okay, if I value them and I can recognize that there's something going on, how do I approach this? with a team member can you share some insights around this because how we do that I think can either enhance the relationship and lead to open dialogue or possibly not it is about asking those tough questions and and let's face
1: it as humans we avoid those tough questions as long as we can but as a leader it is our responsibility to quite honestly, it's a fiduciary responsibility to actually ensure that your employees are healthy in all, you know, every way, mentally, emotionally, physically, and even spiritually in some way. Now, I'm not talking about getting the couch out and having a session with them. But if you know your people, like if you have built up an amazing rapport with them and got to the stage where you do actually know, like, and trust them, you will be able to approach most subjects with them, apart from just work. And But it is important to ask them those work questions. You know, all of your employees have a better way of doing things. They know how to streamline most processes, but they never are given the opportunity to voice that. And that's the the thing, you know, they're looking at always saving money, saving money. Go to your employees, start there, ask their opinion. Is there a better way of doing a process that you're doing? Now, initially, they might step back and go, okay, this is a trick question. What are they trying to do? Are they trying to replace me? All those sort of things. That's why it's important to build up that rapport because eventually they will tell you honestly, you know, this new system that you're building, it's not going to work because of dirt, dirt, dirt. If you fix those three problems, it'll work amazingly as opposed to we're just building it, we don't care what the employees want, so what if they're the ones that are going to introduce it and bring it in? It doesn't matter, but it does matter. It really does matter because apart from anything else, if that employee can see their fingerprint on the design on anything that you do, they will become that design's champion.
0: Yeah. They will run
1: with it. They will ensure that it succeeds, and more importantly, they will have the ideas on how to tweak it so it can always work better.
0: Yes, so true, so true. If they don't have, uh, if you, we don't, as leaders, get buy-in, uh, there's going to, to be underlying um, concerns and and things which will probably show up, sweeping it under the carpet, as you say, or ignoring it. it's not yeah. the best way. But this beautifully segues into the next point. You want to talk about benefits from valuing employees, customers and shareholders as equal stakeholders. That in and of itself, I think, is probably something that uh, some leaders might say, I never even considered that they're equal stakeholders. Share a little bit more about this. And then also, what are some of the benefits leaders can expect to achieve and receive and see when they start valuing and really treating uh, their teams as equal shareholders? and stakeholders in the business?
1: Well, when you, as we said, started off, you see your employees as your greatest asset, you treat them that way. You're sure that they are working at their best. If they're not, you figure out why. We've already discussed that. So you talk to them. What's going on in your private life? What's happening? How can I help you? I've noticed you are a little bit down today. So when you have your employees knowing that they are valued, that they are liked, that they have an opinion and it is valued. They have an open door policy, and they are listened to. Then they just naturally will look after your customers, clients in a higher, better, in in a in a better manner because they understand the goals of the company, where you're going. So they have buy into that. Then your customers can clearly see that your employees love working for you, that you are making a difference and you do care about them, which means that you care about them as customers or clients, which then naturally feeds into the customers, clients and suppliers all recommending this company because they are making a difference. They do value their employees. They, you know, they're a, a they're making a difference in their communities because their employees are looked after, which means their home life is all flowing. So it's all one big, we're all connected and we don't see ourselves as connected. But once you look after your employees, they'll look after your customers. And then the customers will also. Refer more people to you. The suppliers will come in. You're not, you're not really screwing them and making sure that you know they can't survive. You understand all of that, which then naturally flows to more profits, which makes the shareholders and all of the investment people a lot more happy. And it is that flow of energy, the flow of time, the flow of movement, the flow of everyone looking at a better way of doing things which leads to more profits, as opposed to a way that a lot of companies are working, burn out the employees, just make them work as long as they can. That's how we get our profits. They're replaceable. It doesn't matter. They're just, you know, part of the big cog. But Everyone, the employees who are left behind are not happy, which then flows out into your customers, your clients. Everyone knows that they're all stressed and it just doesn't work.
0: Yeah, so important. I was going to ask you, Karen, we spoke about the benefits. What would be some of the things happening? And you've just shared some of those things. Speak a little bit more into that. The reason I say that is because so often organisations may think, well, you know what, we're busy. We've got a lot of pressure on. There's lots of things happening. Don't really have time to do that. But I think they negate to recognise that even if there is a high staff turnover and you think, well, teams can be replaced, staff is Replaceable. It's also impacting your your current staff who are good performers and have got top performance. If we're not careful, that environment that's festering that we're not dealing with as leaders can impact those team members as well. Speak a little bit about that because I'm sure that you've had this, you've seen this happening too.
1: Well, not only have I seen it,
0: Gallup. They do
1: yearly surveys on employee engagement surveys worldwide. And they have shown in 2022, that only 21% of all employees are fully engaged. 60% are disengaged, and the remaining 19% are actively disengaged, which means they are the ones who are bringing down your company. And unfortunately, the more that they act the way they do, the more that people are moving out of the engagement into disengaged, into actively disengaged. And that's why those stats, which have been taken since the early 2000s, have very rarely got above 30% of people engaged. So why is that? It's because the leaders are thinking of their employees as replaceable items. So when you start to value your employees, they really do start to make a difference and they will come to you and say, have you thought about this revenue stream? Have you thought about that? But the more that you see that person as that whole person, they have a family, they have, you know, all these other things that they do in their life and the more that we allow them to do that and not burn them out so that they go home at night and they sit on the couch with a bottle of wine and just vegetate for a couple of hours, go to bed, up early, back into that cycle, where well, that's not living. That isn't even, that's not thriving. That's barely surviving when they're in that grind, when they're not living in all areas of their life. There was a book that came out, I think it was around 2014, and it was called The 4-Hour Workday. Or the five hour, five hour workday, I think it was, and he this um, guy Stephen Aristotle, he um, he had a company in America that made um, which made paddle boards, mm-hmm. and he found that he got his employees to work for five hours every day. He found that the best was from eight to one, eight a.m. to one p.m. And that was the norm. Every now and then you'd have to work more. But before he started, he said, right, you have to figure out how you can do your job in five hours a day. Just employ whatever um, resources you need to be able to get it done. Occasionally you may have to work longer, but that's going to be the norm. And he said, we're doing it for six months. And if it doesn't work, we will go back to the way we were working before. So it's in your interest to find ways to make it work. And what he found, and it's still going on today, these five-hour workday, because what he found that when their employees were invested, like he didn't reduce their salary, he actually um, he kept the salaries the same, he actually gave the all of the employees 10% shareholding to be divided amongst them. And what he did was he found that when they're working that five hours, they have all of the other time to go and get healthy, to have better relationships with whoever in their life, ageing parents, you know, while their kids are at school, doing all of these different things. So they were looking after themselves. They were looking after the relationships. They were looking after their homes. And what he found was they actually ended up working for him 24-7 because in their mind they were always creating better ways to do their job, to ensure that they could continue to have this lifestyle of working hard in those five hours. And to be quite honest, most workplaces, they may be there for 10, 12 hours, but they're only working hard for that five hours yes. because we are humans. So he, it was really smart and I've always been amazed that so many companies have not looked at this. Because he found that from 8 to 11, 8 to 1, And the 11 a.m. was the peak performance. So they would cut meetings down. They would cut everything down so that they ensured that everyone was at their desk from 11 to 1. No one ate lunch before then because when you eat lunch, your productivity goes down because you're digesting. So it really was amazing research. And I've got shivers telling you about it, Anne-Marie, because it's important in the day that we live in now that we actually help businesses to understand that their employees are their greatest asset and the more you look after them and the more that they live in every single area of their life Mm -hmm. the more that they will achieve for you and become your champion which will naturally increase your profits
0: yeah at the end
1: of the day isn't that what we're in business
0: oh absolutely and i can so see how that is so what you've just shared with that book and we'll make sure that we put that in the show notes as well. I mean, if I look at my productivity, it is very much earlier in the morning and yeah. it's in the afternoon that you see that your energy wanes. And that's why a lot of um, productivity coaches will say, we'll do some of those other tasks during, you know, the afternoon when you don't have to be on, you don't have to focus and, and have your mind working really well. But I love the way that this um, leader has really implemented that well. It's incredible, isn't it? When we have a finite amount of time, how efficient we become and all of the outdated things that really don't matter just get left. Yeah. you think about it, when you're about to go
1: on holidays, how much stuff do you get done the couple of days before you're about to go on a
0: month's holiday or whatever? It's incredible. This can take me five minutes or it can take me an hour. Which to watch. <laughs> that's brilliant look you promised to share with us uh, the three must-have insights to ensure that your people your purpose and profits are thriving what you've just shared that insight in and of itself as well as what, what you else you've shared today is certainly wonderful insights but what are these three things we need to be aware of
1: well it's the three factors that are in the people and profits connection program which i love to share with companies and the first factor is the you factor You have to know, like, and trust you. You have to know who you are in all areas of your life. You have to be healthy in all areas of your life. And more importantly, you have to know where you're going and you have to know what is required to close that gap from where you are today to where you're going and close that gap and close that gap and close that gap so that you can become the person that you want to be. It's all about you. You are the only person you're going to spend your entire life with there is no one else you spend 24 7 with so if you don't know yourself and you don't like yourself there isn't a bit of an issue and when you start to really focus on that and know that you matter and you are important amazing things happen in your life and you start to go up that vibrational scale where you really do come into love joy happiness fulfillment and meaning which is amazing the second factor is the know, like, and trust factor. It's not a marketing ploy. It's all about getting to know, like, and trust all of the people in your life. So we're going to talk about the workplace, understanding everyone from the janitor to the chairman of the board, being able to approach them with whatever idea, knowing that they will listen to what you have to say, knowing that they will value what you have to say, and knowing that collaboration and coming together Is the best way for everyone to come forward. But it's really important. You have to know yourself first, and then you get to know everyone else. And when you can see and start to value what everyone does in the organization and how it all fits together, you start to really create that team dynamic workplace. Because most people, I don't know what they do, I don't know why they're paying them so much. But when you seek to understand, you can go, oh, wow. Wow, I cannot believe how much they do. Yes. And so it gets rid of all of that where everyone starts to have each other's back instead of attacking each other's back. And then the last um, factor, the third factor, is the resilience factor. And this is when, when you know what to do when adversity or, you know, something unplanned comes into your life, you don't go down, like you might go down for a little while, but you don't go down for a long time because you know the way to move forward. And it's learning how to be resilient and that things will happen in your life, that, you know, we live in a world of duality, we have negative and positive, we have ups and downs, we have loss and love, and we cannot always be in one or the other. And it's through journeying through that that we create our most amazing life, but we also create and understand the workplace a lot better, knowing that there will always be that. And it's in that journey that we actually create an amazing life. And I like to liken it to a heartbeat monitor, you know, the ups and downs, the ups and downs. When you have that straight line, what is it? You get a big beeping sound and you're dead. And that's, you may as well be dead. It's through the ups, the highs and the lows that you actually create your life because there's lessons in both. And it's about taking the time, learning from it, moving forward. The more you learn from it, the more resilient you become because then you understand what not to do. You also understand what to do. And you also understand what to stop doing um, and to start doing. So, yeah. So that's the three factors.
0: Beautiful. And you know, when you talk about that resilience, it is really like a muscle, isn't it? It can continue to and expand and and get stronger and stronger. And um, and the important things is to be resilient in the resilience building. Uh, So very important. I know, Karen, we have just scratched the surface on the things that you have spoken about today, yet they're so very important. And how do we get started? One step at a time. But some people may find it valuable to uh, find out more information about you, work with you even. How can they get in contact with you? What is the best way for them to do that
1: well they can visit the chaston center website which is chaston and center is spelt the australian english way c-e-n-t-r-e uh, dot com or they can email me at karen at karen dot au. Um, but you know just i'm on linkedin you can easily find me yeah i'm in all the normal regular places just reach out i'm always open to have a chat Um, I love having a chat because, you know, so many people are like, oh, no, I don't want to talk to you because you're going to sell to me. I go, no, I'm not. I'm all about creating relationships. You know, I've I've created this community and I've created a lot of people in it and it's like, who knows? We may work together. We may not. We may refer someone to somewhere else or we may even collaborate or co-create something together. You know, the world is full of infinite possibilities but the only way that you can find out if there is a connection is for you to have a chat to someone. And yeah, it doesn't so have to be. It's not a sales chat. And unfortunately, a lot of people are very sceptical to think, oh, she only wants to talk to me to sell me something. It's like, no, I don't. I'd rather have a, a relationship and a collaboration um, ongoing than to have one sale. That doesn't last very long, does it?
0: Yeah, so well put. And uh, we'll, we'll of course, finish with the way that we started today's show. And it's a reminder that we do live, and you've said this a couple of times, we do live in a world of duality and infinite possibilities. You get to decide what you receive. So as as a leader, you're thinking about your current organisation and all of the things that uh, could be better is possible. We need to have the, the thinking around, well, what is the mindset that we're telling ourselves, that there are troubles, that our team isn't working well for us and so forth, or as, as you've said and reminded us, we have to have a mindset shift. It is possible perhaps it needs to start with us first, but it certainly needs to start with a conversation. And I'm sure through just having a conversation with you, Karen, and sharing what's going on in our workplaces, you'll be able to pinpoint some of the key things that they can start working on, which in and of itself is going to be valuable. And, um, you know, you can't take that step forward on that path towards more profits, more purpose. you thriving workplace unless you ta- start taking uh, those steps so thank you once again for coming on the show and sharing valuable insights which are just so important for every single workplace today
1: thank you anne I always enjoy chatting with you and yeah, you um, yeah.
0: thank you thank you